0: Well, as I said at the start of the service, we can't underestimate the importance of the cross of Jesus. There is no way of underestimating it at all. Because John, the writer of this book, though one of Jesus' closest friends, he saw Jesus up close and personal for three years, writes this and says, I have written this so that you would believe, so that you would see He's written about the life of Jesus. I don't know if you've read many biographies, very popular, aren't they, to read biographies of celebrities or sports people. Um, and often now they're written early in their lives, aren't they, before they've died. Normally they were written after, looking back, but now they write them at the peak of their careers. And they spend a lot of time talking about um, their glories and their great parts and all the things they've been through. Well, in this biography of Jesus, John spends, as 21 chapters, John spends 12 chapters talking about three years of Jesus' life when he's out and about preaching, doing miracles. And then from chapters 13 to 19, he spends talking about 24 hours in Jesus' life. So he really slows it down. He takes us like in slow motion through the last 24 hours and wants us to say, see, look. Look at what's happening here. Don't miss a thing. Everything is charged with significance. So as we come to this passage, there is so much going on. We're not going to be able to get to the, to, uh, through everything. But I want us to see what one, some things that John wanted us to see to see how important this is. So this morning, if you don't understand yet or don't think, well, the cross isn't that important in my life, and I haven't really thought about it much, then look at this passage with me. If maybe you know this passage and you, you trust in Jesus, but you've grown kind of cold and distant, come again and see how important the cross is and how wonderful what jesus done for us so how do we see how important the cross is first thing we need to see here is we need to see the plan of the cross as you read through this passage I don't know if you noticed it as we read through one of the things that kept on coming up was this it was said um, this was done to fulfill the scriptures this was done to fulfill what was written and so we see it in the passage we see it in verse 24 when jesus is stripped and there is all his clothes taken from him what do the soldiers do? They cast lots to see who's going to get these clothes. And that was prophesied. That was predicted before. Hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. Or in verse 28, we see to fulfill scripture, he cried out, I thirst. And then he's offered this sour wine, which we see predicted again hundreds of years before in Psalm 69. Verses 36 and 37, we see again um, prophecies from Jesus in Zechariah uh, are coming true. That people will look on him and mourn predicted before it happened now why is john showing us that why is he saying all this we knew was going to happen all this is there in written hundreds of years before well if you look at the cross from one angle it looks like such a sorry sad desperate situation does not it here's this man who went around doing these amazing miracles teaching in ways that people had never heard before speaking to people showing people care and love and concern and compassion towards the those who are outcasts of society he'd go towards here's this wonderful man and here he is being killed as a common criminal what a tragedy he was in the wrong place at the wrong time wasn't he but what john is doing is showing us this none of this is an accident jesus knew exactly what was happening and this was part of his plan He goes through the books in the Bible, he goes through the book of Exodus, Numbers, the Psalms, Zechariah, and others that he's referring to. And he shows us this to show us, however tragic this might all appear, however it might look like a bad turn of events, this had always been God's plan. Always. The cross has always been the plan of the Triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is what he wanted to happen. We've seen as we've worked through these passages that at at points Jesus could have fled, he could have run. When his disciples were sleeping in the garden, he could have run. He says, I could call down uh, thousands of angels, an army to come and rescue me, but he didn't. Because he was going to the cross, he chose it. This has always been the plan. The Bible written over 1,500 years is talking always about this moment. He knew it was happening. So, If we pause and think, well, so what for us? If this is important to God, the God who made us, if the the God who created you, who knows you, who loves you, shaped the whole of history to come to this point, if it's important to him, can you see it needs to be important to us? Can you see we need to make our mind up about it? Can we see we can't just push it aside as an irrelevance? The Son of God is dying on the cross, and this is crucial to us understanding who we are. And why we're here not only if it's important to god it shows that it should be important to us but it shows us this that you are important to god that you are precious to him do you know what you are worth what are you worth you know chemically you are worth about five pounds did you know that so if you were to strip us down and divide us into all the chemicals that make up our body apparently we've got enough iron to make a 15 centimeter nail enough sulfur to cure a dog of fleas enough carbon to make 900 pencils, enough potassium to fire a toy cannon, enough fat to make seven bars of soap, maybe less, maybe more for some, I'm not saying a, even enough phosphorus to tip the end of 2,200 matches and enough water to fill a 10-gallon tank. Now, they've worked that out chemically, we are worth about £5. Now, that, I did read that in a book from a few years ago, so with inflation, maybe a few pound more, but chemically, we're worth about £5. Maybe you feel even less worth than that. Maybe the way that people have treated you through your life, you just feel like worthless, feel like nothing. The God of heaven, who made this universe, planned the whole of history to send his son to die on the cross so that you could be saved because you are so precious to him. You are not worthless, you are not a nobody. God knows you and he loves you and he has done everything possible for you to be rescued, saved, forgiven. You are loved, you are precious. The plan of the cross shows us this wasn't an accident. This was always God's plan. The cross is important to God and you are important to God. But not only does this show us the plan of the cross, it also shows us the pain of the cross in this passage. This is a brutal scene. Crucifixion was something that wasn't spoken about in polite company it was something if you think of some topic or words that you wouldn't bring up because it's awkward or because maybe it's just disgusting that's what the cross was nobody wanted to talk about it because it was a horrible way to die and look what verse 28 tells us as we kind of zoom in here after this jesus knowing that all was finished said to fulfill scripture i thirst why was jesus thirsty there's two reasons one is physical Think of what Jesus has been through here. He's been beaten. He's been whipped. He's had um, whips that had pieces of metal on them that would have dug into his back. As that was pulled off, flesh would be ripped from his back. Muscles would be revealed. You could even probably see some of his internal organs. Humiliated, he was mocked, he was stripped. People laughing at him, spitting on him. On his lacerated back, he had to carry his own crossbeam through the town through the city he was so weak that one of the other gospel accounts tells us that they had to get somebody to help him along the way here he was that's right yeah he had this um, he went through this uh, hugely emotional time in the garden of gethsemane he went through this physical experience of being uh, battered and bruised having a, a crown of thorns pushed into his head through all the loss of blood not having had a drink for about 12 hours he would have been very dehydrated and he was slowly dying it tells us that he was put his feet were on a placed on a piece of wood and the reason that is because that prolonged the death it meant that he could push himself up to breathe if he didn't have that he would simply suffocate so this was immense physical pain he was thirsty and so he cries out i thirst And so there as predicted in um, psalm 69 he's offered sour wine to drink now before we look at the deeper pain going on here do you see what this shows us about jesus jesus is the son of god fully god but also fully human so he knows what it's like to live in this world he knows what it's like to suffer to experience pain he knows what it's like to go through grief and heartache He knows what it's like to feel injustice. He knows what it's like to uh, be abused and be mocked, to be humiliated. He's been there. God understands what it's like. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to go through dark periods where you don't want to go on anymore. He knows what it's like to have all the struggles that we face, the Bible says. And do you see what that means? It means we can turn to him when we're in those places because he understands. Sometimes if you go through struggles and you meet somebody who's been through something similar, there's just a connection there because they know. Well, with whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through in life, there's a connection with God because he's been there. The God of the Bible is a God who has scars. A God who has been through trials. He's not distant and far away. Because of the cross, we can see that God understands. The darkness the confusion the pain physical mental he's been there there is a deep pain here that's why he cries out i thirst but also there's something deeper going on here you see lots of people were killed on the cross lots of people were crucified loads of people um would have suffered in the same way that jesus did physically but there was something a a deeper level of suffering going on here Because elsewhere in John's gospel, we hear this thirst and this theme of thirst coming up. There's one point where Jesus is by a well and he's talking to a lady who's a Samaritan. She's an outcast. She is living a life that everybody looked down on. So she was going to the well at a time when nobody else went. So she didn't have to meet anyone. And Jesus goes and asks her for a drink. And he uses that conversation as a way to talk to her about her relationship with God and says, Look, this water, if you drink of it, you're going to be thirsty again but i can offer you water that if you drink of it you will never be thirsty and he wasn't talking about some great new product that he'd invented but he was talking about a deeper thing when you look in the bible of this theme of thirst it's, it, it does it kind of arches over through all of the bible and there's a passage in jeremiah in the old testament that says this my people have committed two evils they've forsaken me the fountain of living waters god says and they've made cisterns for themselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. So we say God is telling us this my people have rebelled against me they've turned away from me they've turned away from living water here is living fresh um refreshing bracing revitalizing water and there's always more of it you can have that but instead of having that my people have turned away from me And they've gone to these broken cistern pots with stagnant dirty water and the water's kind of dripping away anyways because there's cracks in them and the reason is the picture is this we were created to have access to the living water of god but instead of turning to him we've turned to our own water things that we think will give us revitalizing refreshment but they don't so in the same ways that our bodies need water Our souls need God in the same way that our uh, bodies if we don't drink apparently we'd last about three days in the same way our bodies need water we need God so we're all born thirsty that's why babies cry they need something but spiritually we're born thirsty but the problem is we have this inbuilt denial that God can satisfy our thirst we think we'll find it elsewhere and so we try anything we can to satisfy our heart. And we think this is going to work, this will work. If I get this, it'll satisfy. And instead of being living water, it's actually a stagnant pot. It might work for a bit, but then just leaves us wanting more. Matt Damon, the actor and writer, uh, won an Oscar when he was 27 years old, which is young to win an Oscar. And he was asked in an interview, tell me about that, you know, tell us how he felt. And he said this, well, I couldn't sleep after he'd won the Oscar. And I remember very clearly looking at that award and thinking, imagine chasing that and not getting it and getting it until your 80s and your 90s and then realising what an unbelievable waste. It can't fill you up. It's a, hole you, it's a hole you have that can't fill it. So he says he was glad he wanted young because he realised it wasn't all that it was made up to be. And there are people searching and longing for this prize. They get it and they realise that thing they were grasping for all their life is pointless. So you see, we all thirst because we've walked away from the, the living water. So, what's happening on the cross? Well, here in, in the other Gospels, Jesus cries out, My God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned away from me? Why have, you, why have you been cut off from me? And that explains why Jesus is thirsting. See, Jesus lived in this intimate relationship with his Father, access to the living water. But on the cross he was cut off from the living water he faced what we deserved he faced that um, you know we've chosen to to ignore the living water to go to our own kind of systems that don't fill us up and he was experiencing that thirst instead of the thirst quenching refreshment he can get from his father so he was cut off because he was taking our place he was taking our place he was taking our thirst and he was doing that so that we could have access to the living water he says i'll take your place." So you can have my place and you can have access. You can have satisfaction in me. And Jesus' death makes it possible for us to know soul-refreshing water that nothing else can touch or satisfy. Knowing and enjoying God. Being with him forever. See, the plan of the cross, this is always God's plan. The pain of the cross is this thirst. But we need to see as well the personal nature of this cross. So, throughout the section, there's a theme that runs through it. And um, this is happening at a special time in the Jewish calendar. This is happening at the time of Passover. So, it's a big celebration, which is why so many people were um, in Jerusalem at this time. And what was the Passover? Well, remember, God's people were slaves in Egypt in the Old Testament. They were being kept as slaves by the Egyptians. And God sends Moses to set them free from slavery. And to do that... Moses approached Pharaoh and said let God's people go let my people go God says and Pharaoh says no keep saying no and God sends these plagues and the last plague to come was the plague of the death of the firstborn. so everybody in Egypt every single person was going to face this um, this plague and it meant this the firstborn the oldest in that family was going to die that night but there was a way out this if any family did this Egyptian or Jew were to do this they would would save the life of their old firstborn they were to take a lamb and they were to kill this lamb they were to dip a hyssop plant in the blood and then outside the doorposts they were to paint um, this blood on the doorposts we're using this hyssop branch uh, and then they would eat this lamb and they were commanded uh, to eat this lamb but don't break any of its bones So as we read this account, can you see some of those things come up, don't they? Can you see what is handed to Jesus, the sponge, to give him water with? It's a hyssop branch. The same that they were just using to remember the Passover meal. As we read later on, they come to breaking Jesus' legs. The reason they were doing that was to speed up his death so that he would suffocate. So they came they broke the two legs on the thieves on either side of jesus because they weren't dead yet but they came to jesus and he was already dead and verse 31 it tells us the soldiers came and broke the leg of the first and the other who'd been crucified but when they came to jesus and saw that he was already dead they didn't break his legs so here you've got a hyssop branch you've got them celebrating passover you've got this this um, man who has died and his blood has been shed and there is no bones broken we are clearly supposed to make the connection that jesus is the lamb now when you go back to thinking of the passover if you sheltered under the blood of the lamb the firstborn was safe because the lamb was dead and the firstborn could live it's either the lamb or the firstborn and if you were the firstborn what would you say it's the lamb or me they would have taken the 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 lamb in for a, a few days before that so i'm sure they'd have got to like the lamb But again the firstborn would be thinking it's either him or me when it comes to the cross jesus is taking our place he's taking our punishment he's taking the rejection um, from his father that we deserve and it's him or us this is personal he is our lamb so the question this morning is in the light of the judgment we deserve for rejecting god we've said to god i don't i don't want you and god says fine if you reject me, I'll reject you. He gives us the dignity of choice, and if we face the judgment of that with the punishment of that, which is being rejected by God, where are we turning? If today you're trusting in the blood of Jesus, if we're sheltering there, as this picture of the Lamb shows us, then we're safe. He's done it all for us. See, it's not about being good enough. It's not about being religious. It's not about having a good CV it's about are we trusting in the blood I've used this uh, picture before but imagine two families on the night of Passover and one family um, it just you know they're big Moses fans and if he says it they do it and they trust him because yeah Moses is God's man it's fine so they have their lamb they kill it and they put the blood on the door and they sleep for the night the firstborn sleeps because they trust what God has said to Moses <coughs> then there's another family and they're really nervous. They're really worried about this night. They know that the judgment is coming, and they know that the firstborn in every house is going to die unless there's some, some other intervention. So they kill the lamb. They nervously put the blood on the doorposts. They hardly sleep that night. In the morning, which firstborn is safe? Well, both. Because the power isn't in the strength of the faith, but in the blood. This morning, you might feel totally rubbish. You might feel there's no way that God would love me. After what I've done, after how I've lived, you know, surely God can't accept me. The power isn't in what we do, it's in the blood. It's in what Jesus has done. There's the grace of God. So whatever you've done, you can come to Jesus today and he'll say, I'll cleanse you, I'll forgive you. Your faith is in the blood, not in what you've done see it is personal it's jesus or you who's it going to be and the offers there for every one of us today come to jesus he's died he's done it all which is why we need to see the last point see the plan of the cross was this is always god's plan and you are precious to him the pain of the cross is he took our thirst the personal nature of the cross is this it's either him or us and the purpose of the cross well look at verse 30 with me jesus says these words it is finished well actually it's only one word in the greek tetelestai and it's a word that means complete a word that means job done can you see what that underlines again it shows us jesus is in total control he came to do something and he cried out i've done it i've finished it what was complete what had he finished well he'd finished salvation he'd made it done everything for us to be right with him He didn't come to show us the way of salvation. He didn't say, here's 10 rules for you to follow, then maybe if you're good enough, you can be saved. He didn't say, it's over to you now, I've done my bit. No, he said, it is finished, it is sorted, I have done it. It's done in full. So that means no striving, will God accept me? No fingers crossed, have I done enough? It is done. That's why we can rejoice today that it is as good Friday we're not just thinking about a tragic situation we're thinking about a work that jesus came to do when he completed it it is finished but it's also a word that means this the debt has been paid a word that says when um, when we are in debt and, and have it paid off jesus says i've paid it in full it is complete it is finished you see we're living in god's world everything is his and we take it and use it for ourselves, don't we the gift he gives we say i'll have that thank you and we'll ignore him and we're in debt to him because it's all his we're stealing from god and we're in big debt now if a friend borrows money for you and they don't pay it back it's not such a big deal is it but if you get a letter from the bank and they say you're in debt well it might be a bit of a bigger issue then and they might send people around bailiffs and uh, things to sort things out but if the government comes around and says, don't, you haven't paid your tax bill, then suddenly we're in bigger trouble, aren't we? And we can end up in prison. The more serious the person we're in debt to, the bigger the consequence. Today, what's the consequence of being in debt to God? Well, the Bible's very serious about it. We've committed this, we're in debt to eternal and eternal God. Our debt is an eternal debt that we can't pay. And so jesus on the cross was paying our debt taking our hell the hell that we deserve and he's doing that for us and that's why he's saying i've paid it in full now debt is a big problem for a lot of people today maybe something that you're struggling with and one of the symptoms one of the signs that it's a problem is this you have unopened bills bills that you're just too scared to open and so when people try and help people out with debt They go into their homes and they find drawers full of unopened letters. Because we just don't want to look at the problem. The debt is too big and I can't deal with it. Maybe in your life you've got unopened letters. Issues, struggles, problems that you don't open. And you just think, if I just keep it shut away, then it'll just go away. But you know it's not and you know it's pulling you down. Areas of shame or guilt and you don't open it. Can God really forgive that? When Jesus says, finished, he's saying, I've paid them all. I've paid for them all. Come to me, and I've paid for it all. So you can open that drawer this morning, as it were. Open it up and see, instead of being in debt, it actually says paid in full. Sorted. Done. Jesus has paid for it all. All the wrong, all the guilt, all the shame. And so we know because of the blood of Jesus that was shed, it's finished, it's done, it's paid for. And you can be accepted this morning by the God who made you. The god who knows you the god who knows everything about you says i love you and i've done this for you come and trust in me jesus says it is finished i've done it all there's nothing for you to do but accept this so here's the question as we close what are you going to do with the cross of jesus what are you going to do with it i think there's three options one is this you reject it you look at this and say don't care god gives us that freedom doesn't he we have the dignity of choosing him or not. But let me ask, why are you rejecting him? Not are you rejecting the church? Are you rejecting Christianity? What about Jesus are you rejecting? What do you like about him? Have you really weighed it up? You can reject him. You can reflect. You can think, okay, I'm gonna think this through. I'm gonna weigh this up. If that is something you're thinking of, please take one of these on your way out a load of booklets they're short won't take you long to read you could read in 20 minutes half hour and um and and just find out more please take one read it read the gospel of john you can reflect think on it or you could receive this morning and say actually jesus has done this for me i'm gonna accept that gift he's paid it he's paid it all and it's yours for free maybe you can do that today i pray that that would be the place you come to and if you've done those already if you've received it let's rejoice this morning that the price has been paid that Jesus has done it and the purpose is complete the cross is great news but remember this isn't the end we've got to come back Sunday to find out that Jesus didn't just die but he conquers death and comes back so please come back on Sunday to hear the next part of the story but we're going to um, sing together in a moment let me pray then we'll sing uh, to close our time together we thank you Lord for the cross And we thank you for the richness and the glory that is there. And I pray that for every one of us, we would leave you being amazed at what Jesus has done for us. Help us as we sing this last song to encounter truly your love for us in the cross. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.